0: Our scripture lesson comes from Acts 10 starting with verse 9. About noon the next day as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up to the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat, and while it had been prepared, he felt while it was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw the heaven open, opened, and something like a large sheet coming down. Being lowered to the ground by its four corners. In it were all kinds of four-footed creatures and reptiles and birds of the air. Then he heard a voice saying, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, By no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is profane or unclean. The voice said to him again, A second time, what God has made clean, you must not call profane. This happened three times, and the thing was suddenly taken up into heaven. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So I love this story. This is one of my favorite stories in the Bible. It's one of the first stories that I remember learning about in church, but that is, I chalk that up to the fact that my Sunday school teacher brought us each Lunchables with ham and cheese to illustrate what we couldn't eat. Now, I don't know how historically accurate it is, but it worked because I remember it 25 years later. I love the character of Simon Peter. Um, He represents to me a wonderful example of how our interpretation and encounters with Jesus change over a lifetime. So we're going to take a look at Peter's life. But keep this story... The story of this vision that Peter has in the back of your head, because we are going to come back to it. But don't freak out, because I'm going to be talking about a bunch of scriptures that are not the scripture that we just read. (laughs) So, Simon Peter, the rock on which the church is built, father of our faith, a beloved disciple of Jesus, a martyr for the gospel. It's a story we're familiar with. It's a story we grow up hearing, if you've grown up in church. The story of a lowly fisherman who would be called a disciple of Christ. The disciple who would proclaim that Jesus is the Christ. And then later, in the next chapter, is called Satan by Jesus. The disciple who would deny Jesus three times. The disciple who walked on water, who preached at Pentecost after receiving the Holy Spirit, who performed miracles. Peter sits on a high pedestal. He's a hero of our faith. Have you ever prayed to have faith like Peter's? Have you ever aspired to be like him in your following of Jesus? Have you ever truly looked at his story and realize just how often Peter failed and fell short of what he was supposed to do. In the story of Peter, we see one of the most real and human-like journeys that have been found in the Bible. A story of failure, but also a story of someone who continues despite of that failure. Now, story, or Peter's story begins a little differently than ones that we're used to. You know, you, we have Moses, who is saved as a baby and anointed from an early time to deliver God's people from Egypt. We have David, who we meet as a shepherd, as a young boy, who again, Samuel comes to him and anoints him as the future king. When we first see Isaiah, he is being anointed and being called into God's service. Samuel, the, the first and great prophet, We meet him as he is a baby, being dedicated to his life and serving the Lord. All these heroes start their journey being marked for something extraordinary. Being set apart as they are going to be servants of God. But not Peter. We're introduced to Peter as a fisherman. Now, we could read the Bible and see how little we get about Peter's introduction and say, we don't really know much about where he came from. And the truth is, we don't. We only get a few verses of what he was before he was a disciple. We know that he was a fisherman. But if we dig a little deeper into the context... If we learn from what's going on, we learn a lot just by the fact that we knew he was a fisherman. So bear with me. We're going to take a little journey into how Jewish society in the first century worked. At a young age, the boys—sorry, girls, you weren't allowed— um, you would be taken, the boys would be taken to Hebrew school where they would be taught not only the words of the Torah— the first five books of the Bible. They would be taught to interpret and read those books to a point that they would memorize them. Now those who excelled in this process, those who were set apart, those who were said oh, you'll do something great and do that, they went on to continue with the rest of the Bible to memorize and study and would eventually apprentice under a rabbi and follow that rabbi and become rabbis themselves and that was how you did that. And then those who don't Qualify, who didn't qualify, learned to trade. They went and learned their family trade, whether that was fishing, whether that was selling something in the market, whether that was carpentry, something like that. So from his early life, from the very first moments, probably one of the first memories he could remember, Peter was told that he was not good enough to serve God. He was not good enough to continue his study, and he certainly was not good enough to follow a rabbi. So Peter becomes a fisherman. And while that is a necessary trade in the region of Galilee, in Capernaum, they were not looked on as kind, kindly upon other members of society. They were dirty, crude, and smelly. People were happy to buy the fish, but they were not looking to them for spiritual guidance or any words of wisdom. And this is the world that Peter lives in until Jesus shows up on that shore. Jesus shows up to Peter and his brother Andrew as they're fishing and calls them. This rabbi, this person who had no business calling them, who's doing things not as they have always been done, shows up and calls them and says, come and follow me. Be like me. And Peter answers the call. He answers the call and embarks on a journey that will change his life forever. And as Peter follows Jesus, he has some high points and he has some low points. We see him and Jesus is asking, "Who am I?" And Peter is the one who proclaims that he is the Christ. And this and this is where he changes his name from P, from Simon to Peter, to Cephas, the Rock. And Jesus says he will build his church upon Peter. And Peter does a lot of good. He sits on every one of Jesus' words and tries to take them to heart. He's present for the transfiguration, which is this weird and miraculous experience of Jesus being lifted up at the same level of Moses and Elijah, or in other ways, symbols of both the law and the prophets upon Jesus. But he gets ahead of himself and gets overly excited, and then suddenly Jesus tells him to get behind him, that he is Satan. In his anger, he rushes and he cuts off the ear of a servant when they are arresting Jesus. And Jesus has to rebuke him there. When Jesus is washing the disciples' feet, Peter first refuses, because he doesn't understand the act of love and grace that Jesus was offering him. And lastly, he does deny Jesus three times and fails to stand up for what he believes in. Despite all of these, you could read the story and say, like, oh, well, Peter's messed up, and so Jesus will be done with him. And that's the end of the story of Peter. But it's not. Despite the failures, despite that you could look at Peter and say, he's not good enough to follow the Lord, Peter is still chosen. He goes on to do amazing things. In the early chapters of Acts, on the holiday of Pentecost, he receives the Holy Spirit with the other disciples and preaches, even correcting the town in one of my favorite passages, which is, they can't be drunk, it's only nine in the morning. He preaches and performs miracles all over Judea, proclaiming and spreading the story of Jesus, the good news it offers. When we finally get to Peter in, act, in Acts 10, he's riding a wave of several winds. He's the disciple who walked on water. He's the disciple who preached at Pentecost. He was a beloved and inner circle of Jesus. He is up on the pedestal. He is feeling good about himself and he is doing a good job. But enter Jesus again. Peter once again has to learn. Now I told you to keep this story in the back of your head and if later today you should go and read all of Acts 10 because there's things that happen before and after this story that are important. But you see, what is happening is there is that Peter and the disciples are doing what Jesus said, but only partly. Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Christianity at this point has remained mainly a Jewish organization, a Jewish movement. It is not reaching out to the Gentiles or other people. Now, historically, if we look at this, this makes sense. Jews were not supposed to interact with Gentiles. Jews were not supposed to eat with Gentiles. Jews were not supposed to be around the Gentiles. But Christ said all nations. Now, they wouldn't enter with Gentiles because they were unclean. They didn't follow... Jewish law they didn't keep kosher they were unclean they were profane they were not to be interacted with because to do so would pre to profane yourself and so the followers of Judaism at this time did not interact with those who were unclean and to their defense that is what the law said that is what it said that was the letter of the law so we get to Peter's dream where he has the vision of all the unclean animals. And Jesus says, eat. And immediately we see Peter going on the defensive, as if he thinks this is some sort of test, which it is, but not the one he thinks it is. He says, oh, I've never touched an unclean animal, Lord. I'm a good follower of the law. I'm a good Jew. In other words... Peter is saying, I know how we've always done things, and so I know to keep doing them. And Jesus calls him out again saying, do not call what God has made unclean. You see, Peter needs this vision because Peter had yet to embrace his new reality. He had yet to embrace that Jesus was calling him to do something new something unexpected, something that would change the world, just as Jesus was calling him, was new and unexpected, and certainly not how things were always done. You see, Jesus was calling Peter to remember that he is called to make disciples of all nations, that he needs to do things in a new way. And in the following chapters, we hear... Peter does just that the men show up from Cornelius to say we want a Gentile to say we want to come to your house we want you to eat with us and he goes and he embraces them as brothers and sisters in faith and embarks on this new unexpected thing that was going to change the world you see Jesus strengthened Peter to embrace his new reality he reminded Peter of the new things that Jesus was going to do, He strengthened him to do new and unexpected things. In fact, in the next chapter, Peter says, "It is not normal for a Jew to come and eat with Gentiles, but I have been told, do not call things profane and unclean what God has made. And just as Peter is or just as Jesus is strengthening Peter, Jesus is strengthening us to do new and unexpected things. In a lot of ways, Good Shepherd is similar to Peter. We were shackled by this huge debt. People told us that we would not be here. In the history of this church, it was told we wouldn't last six months. We were told that we couldn't make it because us making it is not the way things have always been. We were told that the debt would be the end of our church. Well, God had a different plan. Our debt is paid. It's paid. It's gone. We're free. We are empowered. When the world said we weren't good enough and that we won't make it, God said, I'm not done with you yet. Now, even though we are free, just like Peter, Peter was changed doesn't mean we're off the hook. We still have work to do. We still have God-sized dreams to do. Like Peter, we need to embrace our new reality. No longer do we have the excuse of continuing to do things the way they have always been done, because that's how we did them when we had the dead. If we want to make God-sized dreams a reality, we have to be ready for that reality to look different than what we are expecting. Because that's the God we serve. The God who calls fishermen instead of studious future rabbis. The God who calls the people who would be least likely to be called in their society. So if we want to get on board and do what God wants us to do, we have to be ready for that to be extremely different than what we're expecting. Because when we work with the Holy Spirit, God will do amazing things through us. Now, I just made that sound really, really easy. Well, it is not. And you heard it from me, it is not easy. It is not easy to let go of the past. It is not easy to do things in a new and different way. Fear and anxiety are powerful tools, powerful forces that overwhelm us and blind us to what God is doing in the world. But the good news is it's not up to just us. God is with us. And Jesus strengthens us to do new and expected things. This is so we can go and make our God-sized dreams a reality. Jesus strengthens us so that we can do the hard things. So what hard things will we accomplish as a church? What will our future hold? What new and expected things are happening at Good Shepherd United Methodist Church? I'm excited for what God has in store for this church. I know it will be amazing because I know our God is amazing. And I know that while it will be difficult, while it will be hard, while it won't be perfect, while there will be bumps in the road, while we will struggle in a lot of ways, I know that Jesus is with us. I know that our God is with us. And I know that our God will strengthen us to move throughout our entire journey as a church. So I hope that we embrace it. I hope that we look and see And listen to what God is doing in our lives. So that we can experience and continue to be strengthened by a God who is with us and who loves us. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.
1: Church. <laughs> when I first came upon this song that we're about to sing, it's, it's, a, it's a beautiful imagery, but it's also exactly what Austin was just talking about that sometimes the change and sometimes what God has in store are, are difficult, difficult things, difficult challenges. And in this song it says the crushing and the pressing for making new wine. So God is making us a new thing, but it's gonna take some take some persuasion from our father, from our our potter. In the crushing, in the pressing, you are made in the presence So make me your vessel.
0: May you go with the grace of God and the strength given to you by Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit to do new and unexpected things in the world. Amen.
1: Go with God. You are dismissed.
0: Thank you.